Welcome to the True North Podcast. This podcast is about navigating through today's culture in the direction that lands at the heart of God. Let's go! Amen. Amen. Press your face against the Lord. Amen. So we've been in this series called Liturgies. Everybody say liturgies. You can fade that out now. But we talked about it last week. If you was here last week, uh, or if you wasn't here last week, I encourage you to go and listen to the podcast episode on it. Because it's, you know, this is going to be a very practical series. But just to review before we really get into it, but last week we talked about how spiritual formation, it's the process of us being conformed into the image of Christ. Amen. It's the process of us being conformed into the image of Jesus. And, you know, that word conformed, it means to be brought into the same shape or oneness or one accord. Amen. Now, we all know that phrase, one accord, you know, a good Christian dad joke. You know, Jesus drove a car. What kind of car did he drive? A Honda Accord, you know. But being conformed into the image of Jesus means that we are, in fact, the, the definition for conformed is to bring into harmony. To bring into harmony. And Paul said in one translation in Romans chapter 5, verse 1, he says that we are, we are, we have been brought into harmony with Jesus. Amen. Harmony, the definition for harmony, it's 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 a it's a sound that is pleasing to the ear and blends in with the melody. So guess what? Your existence is pleasing to the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. And now that we are being conformed into his image, we are being brought into oneness with him. Amen. Amen. We read it last week, but in Colossians chapter 3, verse 10, in the Passion Translation, it says this. For you have acquired new creation life, which is continually, I like that word, is continually being renewed into the likeness of the one who created you, giving you the full revelation of God. In other words, we daily, we are daily being renewed into the likeness of Jesus. Every day, just like today, there's parts of you that's being renewed. There's parts of you that's being conformed. There's parts of you that's being, that's, that's, that's looking more and more like Jesus. Tomorrow there's going to be more parts. And that's a, and it's a continuation. It's a, it's a, it's a lifelong process. Amen. Amen. It's a lifelong process. Amen. We read it last week in Colossians chapter 3, verse 8 in the Mirror Study Bible translation. It says this. It says, uh, I think I put it up there. In the Mirror Study Bible. It should just be in the sermon slides. There you go. It says, but now because you realize that you co-died and you were co-raised together with Christ, watch this, you can flush your thoughts with truth permanently put these things behind you things such uh things such a violent outburst of rage depression all manner of wickedness slander and every form of irregular conversation but i love how this you know that version says that we can flush our thoughts with truth amen see the character of god we said last week but the character of god is meant to be revealed in our ordinary lives Paul said it best in Romans chapter 1, verses 19 and 20. He said the invisible attributes of God are made visible in his creation. 
which means that we should be able to look at all the creation, look at ourselves, look at the trees, look at the birds, look at all the animals, look at the, the vastness of the rivers and the oceans. We should be able to look at everything that God has created and be reminded of how strong he is, how faithful he is, how much he loves us, how much he is for us. Amen. 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 We also said last week, in other words, that, you know, uh, that one of the tools that helps us be reminded of God's character is liturgies. I see a liturgy, just catch it up before we really get into it. A liturgy, it's a non-legalistic pattern of worship with the goal being that it draws us into worship and conforms us into the one that we worship. So it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a vehicle that draws us into worship. And conforms us into the one that we worship. So it's drawing us into the presence. It's something that's going to draw us in into the presence of God. And as it's drawing us in into that worship, we are being conformed. Amen. It's doing. It's allowing us. It's giving. It's putting us in the. It's putting us in the room where it happens. It's putting us in the in the place where the Holy Spirit is conforming us. He's renewing our minds. He's renewing our mouth. He's renewing the words that come out of our mouth. He's renewing our thoughts. Amen. And that's why we're doing this series called Liturgies. And last week we talked about how, how, uh, how to view making the bed and saying goodnight and cooking meals and, and, and doing the laundry. How to view all those different things through liturgical lenses. Amen. Amen. Today we're going to talk about, uh, you know, we're going to talk about viewing meals and viewing cooking and viewing prepping all that. How we can view that through liturgical lenses. Amen. If you're taking notes, you can write on top of your paper low and slow. If you're doing it on your phone, you can write low and slow. But if not, still today we're going to talk about low and slow. Somebody say low and slow. Low and slow. Hallelujah. Sager, if you don't mind, if you'll just fade that out for me. I think it's still playing. But, you know, we human beings, a lot of times we are in constant need of nourishment. I know my boys and me. We are in constant need of nourishment. We are constantly wanting to eat. For some reason, ever since Cohen started going to daycare, he always comes home. And I know the, the paper says he eats. I don't know what it is. But he comes home, or before he even comes home, when I pick him up, put him in the car, daddy cup. All right, well, I got your cup, daddy snack. And he's specific with his snacks. I want a pack, which is the applesauce pouch, or, or chips. I want chips. Like, buddy, didn't, didn't you just have snack maybe an hour ago? Like, you know. But Kelsey says he gets it for me. But we are, as human beings, we are in constant need of nourishment, which is why we eat food. You know, the Bible talks about food as a, uh, as a spiritual matter. Sometimes food in the Bible is used to show us that God is a faithful provider or a generous host. Sometimes it, it's, it's mentioned in the Bible, it reveals to us our hunger for something more. And sometimes when we look at, when we see food in the Bible, it tells us of what communion with God will look like. Amen. All in all, we can look at food and meals and be reminded of the character of God. You know, I heard the saying years ago, and I, I fully believe it is true. But I heard the saying, and it, you know, it literally goes like this: the best meals, the best meals are slow cooked. The best meals are home cooked, and the best meals are slow cooked. 
And I, I've, I've found that to be true. You know, when you go to, you know, when you go to a restaurant and, you know, you pay the restaurant, uh, you pay the restaurant prices, you know, you're sitting there, you're waiting on the appetizers and stuff like that. You know, you would be upset if you found out that they were in the back cooking your food in the microwave. You'd be like, hey, hey uh-uh, I, I could do that at home. But, you know, have you ever, you know, I'm not a big spaghetti fan. I got, once we had kids, I got burnt out on spaghetti because spaghetti's a household staple. The kids that eat it, it's easy, it's cheap. I got burnt out on it. We could do spaghetti, and then I'll, I'll go to the Dodge store and get some chicken tenders or something. Like, I just, I don't, I don't like spaghetti anymore. But, you know, it, you know, there's, have you ever, you ever made homemade spaghetti? You know, and you, you eat it and, and you put it in the fridge, and, you know, the saying is true, the second day it's always good. It's always better the second day, you know. Uh, but, you know, homemade spaghetti, if you've ever had homemade spaghetti and then go to try to buy uh, freezer spaghetti, you know, the kind that you heat, get out of the freezer section, the heater, it's, it's, it's not as good. You know, you can doctor it up. You can add the Parmesan. You can add the, you know, you got to empty the season bottle on it and stir it up. And, you know, at the end of the day, it's, it doesn't compare to somebody else that is taking the noodles out of a pack boil those noodles in butter until they don't stick anymore. Yeah, yes, I'm going to make y'all hungry today. And then, and then got the meat, you know, ground it up, seasoned it, let it sizzle in the skillet. And then when you're there, when you're done, no, there's more. Then, you know, drain everything, put it in the dish, sprinkle a little cheese on it, mix the sauce with it, and then put it in the oven and let it cook low and slow. See, there's, there's a difference when you're doing that version versus doing something quick in the microwave, amen? You know, the, the best meals are cooked low and slow. The best meals are slow cooked. And not only are the best meals slow cooked, but they're, they're long prepared. They are prepared long. They're prepared long. And I was, I was I don't, y'all know me, I love documentaries. I was watching this, this quick documentary. Uh, yeah, a quick documentary of this Michelin chef. And this Michelin chef, I think she's up in New York, but she works at this at this one restaurant. And literally, she would arrive earlier to open up the building. Now, the, the restaurant didn't start serving until night, so it was one of those. Like, they were they were that good, that busy, that they only did dinner. So she would, she arrived, the, the documentary showed her arriving at 11 a.m. to open up the building to prep and set up. And several of their meals required prepping just prepping before cooking. And watch this. They had this one dish that required 10 hours of prep. Not, not 10 hours of prepping and cooking, but 10 hours of just prepping it. They would literally have to, they would literally have to you know, they, they would uh, get the groceries delivered into them. And literally they would take this and, and they, would, they would clean it up. They would cut it up. And then as they're, and, uh, they, they would put it back in the free, or fridge or whatever in the cooler. And then they would begin to make the sauces. That it, that it would have to marinate in. But see, it had to get down to a certain temperature before it can go into the sauces. And then it had to stay in these particular sauces. And literally, it, it would, one item would take 10 hours of prep work before they cooked it, before they threw it in the... I don't know about you, but I don't have that kind of patience. If you were to say, hey, Lindsay, I'm going to cook you dinner. It's going to take 10 hours before I can cook it, though. I'm like... Well, holler at me next week. Then when it's ready, I'm going to hop on to a fast food restaurant. Get, you know, we, last time I checked, none of us will go to a restaurant. And as we're sitting there waiting, hey, uh, it's going to take 10 hours to prep before they cook it. So you just chill out right here. We're going to be like, 
Now nah, we're gonna get our purses, going, you know, get the kids. Well, all right, we'll, we'll holler at you next week. We'll call two weeks in advance to let you know when we're coming so y'all can already have it cooked and ready. <laughs> but the you know, she 10 hours of prep work. 10 hours of prep work of chopping and slicing and washing and grinding and doing all these different things. But but they were one of the number one restaurants in their area. Why? Because they had so much attention to detail. So literally she would, uh, a lot of stuff that she pulled out of the freezer and the fridge was stuff they had prepped the day before. So therefore, because they prepped it the day before, they had cut their prep time by five hours. Still had five hours to prep some more before they can cook this one dish. And it made me think of, you know, I have this one friend who does competitive barbecuing. And I, you know, used to, a few years ago, I didn't think that was a thing, but evidently it is. And I told him, I said, you know, because he's like, hey, I do competitive barbecue. And I said, hey, you know, that's like saying you could dunk. You know, everybody thinks they could dunk until it comes time they can dunk. It's like saying you can shoot a half-court shot until it's time. I said, I, I, need, I, I, I need the proof, brother. Where, where, where's the proof? He said, oh, we, we've won trophies, we won ribbons. I, you, you can buy trophies and ribbons at Walmart. I need the proof. Bring, bring me some samples. Let me let me see let me see your competitive skills. I'm like you know everybody says they can do this, but let me let me see what you got. But there's this one restaurant I was watching this other documentary. There's this one barbecue restaurant in Texas, the number one barbecue restaurant in Texas. All right, check this out. Here's their here here's what their week looks like. They're only open on Friday to Sunday. Come Monday morning, they're arriving at eight and they're prepping desserts. Now they're a barbecue restaurant. You would think that they would be. You know, cooking the barbecue. No, they're they're prepping desserts on Monday and putting those in the fridge and freezer. Why? Because the rest of the week is devoted to the number one thing, which is the brisket. I love me some good brisket. But listen, check this out. If your mouth don't water, you know, I don't know what's wrong with you. But Monday, they're they're prepping the desserts. They're making the glazes and the sauces. And then they're chopping up all the different ingredients and crumbling up the ingredients for these desserts. On Tuesday, they, they spend eight to nine hours just trimming the fat off the brisket. Eight to nine. That's a work shift. That's me getting up in the morning and going and reading meters and get done. Just all from eight to nine hours just trimming all the fat off the different briskets because they have up to, they have minimum of 120 briskets that they got to cook. 120, and they're just trimming all the fat, all the, all the pieces that, you know, maybe don't look as pure or don't look as good. They're cutting all that away. And from eight to nine hours, they're, they're just trimming it. They're not cooking it. They're not grilling it. They're, they're just trimming it, just cutting it, just editing it. On Wednesday, they, you know, so Tuesday after they do all that, they'll put it in the fridge. Wednesday, they'll trim 150 pork ribs. The same thing that they did for the brisket, they'll do that for the pork. 150. And as I'm watching this, good thing I was eating lunch because I was like, man, man, oh, man, if I had the gas money, I'd drive to Texas right now because they open. <laughs> uh, trimming 150 pork ribs. And, you know, and, and get this, they, they don't waste any leftovers. But, you know, all the, thing, all the things, that, all the trimmings that, you know, they didn't consider, you know, what they wanted on the, on the top shelf, uh, on the staple item in their menu. They take all those trimmings and then what they use on, you know, they take all those trimmings and then they put it in the sausage maker and they make sausages out of that. And I'm like, okay, I mean, like, don't waste it. And so they're doing all that and they make up to 480 sausages. I mean, these, these folks are busy. 
you know, but it, by this time it's Wednesday, and they, they open up Friday. They got, you know, hey, hey, when we're going to cook this? Thursday morning at 5 a.m., somebody say 5 a.m. They come in, and they, they pull out the briskets, and they pull out the, the, the pork tenderloins and pork ribs and all that, and they inspect. Before they cook, they inspect to see if they missed anything. Is there anything else on this that, uh, that we don't want the people to, to, to salvage because it's not going to taste right? So, therefore, they go in and inspect one more time, one more time, and once it's all passed, then they go out to the smoker. They go out to the smoker and they take all 120 briskets and they 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 season them just right and let them and let them let them sit in the seasoning right before they put them in the smoker. And once it is time, come eight or nine a.m., they put them in the smoker and literally the guy says, and we cook them low and slow. And they cook up to 14, sometimes 16 hours. The restaurant it opens that Friday at 11. And the documentary showed at 7 a.m. Friday morning, they had a line of customers a mile wide. And none of the customers lived in Texas because they were voted the number one barbecue restaurant in the whole state of Texas. Not just this side, not the east side or what, the whole, we do it big in Texas. It was the whole state of Texas. A mile wide of customers at 7 a.m., Four hours before this restaurant opens. Why? Because they've committed to a process of low and slow. And I love this because ultimately when I'm watching this, you know, we're talking about liturgies and we're talking about how we can see God's character in the ordinary things. But I love it because ultimately they had the best product because they refused to rush. They had the best product because they pay attention to all the details. Somebody say all the details. And see, just like the best chefs, just like those, just like those barbecue pit masters, just like any person that cooks a meal, God takes his time. God takes his time with you. God takes his time with you. God takes his time. Papa, watch this. Papa's not interested in a microwave outcome for your life. He is not. We, we want, we're interested in the microwave outcome. Lord, come now. You know, we'll, we'll sing the songs all day about running for the Lord, running, running for the Lord, or trying to get that hunter because 99 and a half won't do. But we don't sing songs about I'm waiting. You know, I remember in, in, in Gatlinburg, they would sing songs about waiting on you, waiting on you. I find my strength while I'm waiting on you. Don't worry about the time because, Lord, I seem to find my strength while I'm waiting on you. I'll be honest, that's the one and only song I know about waiting on the Lord. Most of the other songs, it's, you know, we're doing for the Lord, we're running for the Lord, I'm believing in you, Lord, I'm, I'm holding fast. But we don't, we don't like to sing songs about, Lord, I'm sitting on the porch waiting on you, believing you're going to come through. Lord, we don't sing songs about how comfortable you are with waiting on Jesus. Lord, I love to wait on you. That's not on K-Love. That's not on YouTube. That's not, you didn't hear that on Sunday mornings. You didn't hear us sing, Lord, we love to wait on you. You didn't hear Miranda sing that. You definitely didn't hear me sing that. We, we're not including that in our prayers when we get up in the morning. Oh, Jesus, I can't wait to wait on you. Lord, I can't wait to wait on you. I can't wait to wonder. I can't wait to wonder. We don't sing that. We don't, we don't do that. We are interested in the microwave results. As my dad says, that we're interested in the turnkey products 
I'm definitely a turnkey product. There's some products I don't mind getting under the hood and doing all, but I, I like the turnkey job. If I'm going to buy a vehicle, I want I just want to put my key in it, you know, versus put my key in it, Pop the hood. If I got to pop the hood, I'm like, all right, I'm going to move on. You know, I don't, I, don't, I, ain't got, I don't have the patience for this. There's some people that are just wired like that. I'm not wired like that. I'm wired the other way. Just put the key in. Woo, there we go. My dad's wired the other way, and that's why we make a good father-son team. Because when he's got all that work done, I'm like, all right, let's pull the key in and go. <laughs> Woo, all right. And he is comfortable with that. Growing up, he wasn't comfortable with that. But now, he is comfortable with that. You know, I... Kellen, Kellen seems like he's one of those that wants to get under the hood and figure out how good for him, you know, get with G Daddy and do that. You know, the other two, if y'all want to turn the key, hang out with Daddy, okay? <laughs> but I, that, that, you know, but you know, we 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 desire whether we say it with our mouths or not, we desire those microwave type of results. But God is not interested in a microwave reality for you. He's not interested in a microwave type of spouse. He's not interested in a, a microwave type of car for you. He's not interested in a microwave type of house or job. Or Watch this. He's not even interested in a microwave type of circle of friends that surrounds you. He has plans for you to prosper. He has plans for you to be in good health. He has plans for you for that while you're walking in the valley of the shadow of death that you won't surrender to your fear. He has plans for you to read that will reinforce that you are the head and not the tail. He has plans to shine his face upon you. He has plans to be gracious to you. He has plans to bless you and keep you. He has plans to give you peace. He has plans to, for you to succeed. He has plans for you to understand. He has plans to give you joy that is unspeakable. He has plans for you to have peace that surpasses all understanding. He has plans for you that he is your lily in the valley. He is your rod and staff. He is your comforter. He is your bright and morning star. His name is Jesus and what him, Papa, and the Holy Spirit has cooking for you it is cooked low and slow. Low and slow. The desires that he had, you got to think before you came onto this earth, before your parents decided to conceive you into this world, guess what? He already had plans for you. The Bible says that he already knew your name, already knew your name and already created a plan for you on this earth. And guess what? That plan was cut low and slow. You got to think about how long it was before Jesus came onto the earth, but God had already been making the plans for Jesus before the foundations of the world, and he was using the genealogy. And you think about that. That was a low and slow-cooked plan. But the Bible says that it was the perfect plan because at the right time, woo, when the briskets are ready at the right time, Jesus at the right time came and saved us. Amen. That's Romans chapter 5. At the right time, he came and freed us. But see, it's, 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 you know, God's plan, it's not made in a microwave, but it's cooked low and slow. And I love it because it's so easy to get frustrated when we're waiting for Chef Papa. It's so easy to get discouraged. It's so easy to lose our patience when, when Chef Papa is still prepping the meal, when he's still prepping the things. Hadn't turned on the skillet, hasn't turned on the eye. You know, I found a little hack because I, you know, I'm a faster person. 
But I, I found a little hack that if we got to use the oven, I'll put it on broil. If we got to get it up to 425, 400, I'll put it on broil for like five minutes, set a timer. Once that five minutes is over, then I'll switch over to bake, 425, 450, ready. I'm like, all right, let's go. Just because I'm like, hey, these kids, they can't wait too much longer. We ain't got time for the oven to fool it. We, no, we just, we got to jump started. You know, we got to get a little turbo boost. But, you know, God's not like that. He's not like, hey, let's, let's go. No, it's low and slow. It's, it's, it's you know, it, he, he preps. He preps different things. He is a prepper. He is, a, he is the master prepper. He is, he is the master uh, detail orient. He knows every detail. He keeps it in sync, and he is considering all that as he's working the plans for our life. Amen? Amen. It's, it's, not like, it's, not the fact that it's, it's not the fact that the Father, Son, and Spirit love to just watch us squirm as we wait. That's not why, that's not why we're waiting. They don't, they don't love to see your blood pressure raise as you're wondering, God, are you out there? Lord, I thought you said things were going to be different this year. Lord, I thought this was the year. I thought this was, Lord, I thought this was a job. Or I thought this was, I thought she was the person. I thought he was the person. It's not that they love to watch us squirm. It's just the right things take time. Amen. The right things take time. Amen. Amen. See, I, you know, when I was, when I was watching that documentary and they said, all right, so f- between 14 and 16 hours, I was like, good, good God, my God. Fourth, I ain't, Lord. I ain't got 14 and 16 hours. I got maybe 14, 16 minutes max. And then, then I better, we, you know, waitress or waiter better let me know, hey, it's almost ready. You know, after, you know, in really 10 minutes, I'm like, y'all got any crackers or some rolls? You want to slide a brother? Something, something to have it. Or I'm going through Cohen's diaper bag and looking to see and grab a little pack of gummies. And when he ain't look, just, I've done it. I'm guilty. It is what it is. But you know what? It keeps me, it keeps me smiling and not hangry. But they said 14 to 16 hours. And so I begin to look it up because I'm like, surely it can't take that long just to cut some pork ribs, just cut some brisket, just cut some sausages. Lord, it, it can't take that long. And I looked it up, and scientifically, you're going to love this. Scientifically, for the brisket, the low and slow method is the perfect method. It's the perfect method. So, therefore, it's been scientifically tested. It's the perfect method, for, watch this, for dissolving the tough connective tissues found throughout the meat. If it's not cooked long enough, the brisket will be too tough and difficult to chew. See, if God was to answer our hurry-up prayers, then life would be more tough and difficult than what it already is. God is interested in being a low and slow type of God for us. That way he can go through every detail of your life and all the tough and difficult things that we can't get through. It's, it's that low and slow method that breaks it down, that makes it more dissolvable, that makes it more palpable, that makes it easier for us to hold our heads up on the daily. To hold, to be able to look at ourselves in the mirror, to be able to remind ourselves that we're the righteousness of God. So God being a low and slow God, it's for our good. It's for our good. Amen. It's for our good. He works all things out for the good of those who love him. Low and slow. Low and slow. You, I, pray you rem- I pray you remember that phrase, low and slow. God is the God of low and slow. Amen. And you know what I love about a good meal? Leftovers. I love when I have some left. You, that's when you, you know the meal is good for two reasons. One, when you just devour it and you ain't got no leftovers. Or if you're like me and you're like, I, I, I want to make this meal. It's so good. I want to make it last. 
I remember one time when we when we moved to Ormond Beach, we was living in Daytona Beach, and then when you know the Lord blessed, we found a, a bigger and nicer um, apartment in Ormond Beach. And Mom and them and seen it. You can ask them about it. it. Was it was it was probably the nicest apartment I ever stayed in outside of our duplex in Cleveland, and I loved it. And, uh, you know, it was nice or whatever. It was so, listen, it was, it was so upscale, so nice. Every Thursday they called it, uh, they called it Food Truck Thursday. Or no, Food Truck Friday. It was on Friday. Food Truck Friday where food trucks would just come up and they they park and, you know, you could go up. And it was consistent. You know, it would be a different one every time. And I remember one time they had this, they had this brother in this red and yellow food truck. I can't even, I can't remember the name. It was like, it was like grandma's something, grandma's recipe or grandma's cooking. But all I saw was, I saw that me and him kind of looked alike. And I was like, hey, and I heard he had a country accent. I was like, oh, snap, you know, okay, I can relate to this guy. All right, let's see. So I'm looking at the thing and, you know, I've seen all these different things. And you, I've seen the pictures look good, but you can't ever go by the pictures, you know. I'm, so I'm looking at what everybody else is ordering and everybody else is getting the fried shrimp. And I was like, I said, hey, uh, uh, you got any more fried shrimp left? He's like, it's almost gone. So I thought, okay, this is this is a popular item. I like fried shrimp, but I've never had really great fried shrimp. I was like, okay, hey, let me, let me get some fried shrimp and fries. It's like, all right. And uh, I got some, and uh, when I took a bite of it, bro, I thought I was going to fall over. My knees buckled. I said, oh. And he looked at me, he says, good. I said, brother, what is this? And, and there was a line of people behind me. I didn't care because that, that was the best fried shrimp. I said, sir, I said, this is the best fried shrimp. I appreciate it, man. I appreciate it. I said, you don't understand me, man. I, I, I need you to understand. And Kelsey's like, Lindsay, I said, I need him to know. And uh, so, so I listen, I loved it so much that I went online and I went to his social media page. I reviewed it. That I took a picture, reviewed it, submitted it. I went to his Google because he said, if you like what we do, go on our Google website. Da, da, da. I went on Google. I went everywhere I could find it and reviewed it, gave it five stars and told. I mean, I described it to the T because I want everybody to know what I had experienced. And then if that wasn't enough, the next day I called him because his number was on the, I called him. He's like, hello? And the first time he didn't answer because it was, you know, Tennessee number. Second, but I was like, no, you're going you to answer me. So I called him and he's like, hello? I said, hey, hey, this is Lindsey Melter, fried shrimp guy at Ormond, uh, Ormond Apartments, Bermuda State. Do you remember me? Oh, uh, yeah. He's describing, I said, yeah. He said, the guy with the flat top. I said, yeah, that's me. He said, what, what's wrong? I said, nothing's wrong. I said, I had to cut my meal in half because I didn't want to finish it and I wanted to take it to work with me the next day. And he said, how is it? I said, it's still good. I said, I don't know what you did. He said, man, I just took my time with it. And I never forgot that, the fact that he took his time with it. But I, it was so good for me that I, I didn't want to devour it. I wanted to have leftovers. See, a good meal, you know a meal is so good when you have leftovers. But see, the misconception in our society is that, you know, you, you only eat leftovers when you're trying to budget. You only eat leftovers when you're trying to save money or you ain't got any money. Let's go home, eat leftovers. Let's go home, open up the pork and beans and the canned, you know, all canned tomatoes and all that. And that's what the world loves to teach us. But watch this. The Lord showed me this. We're talking about liturgies and how we can see God in the ordinary things. Leftovers, it's not, it's not a sign that you're broke or poor or can't afford anything or uh, can't afford a more glamorous meal. Leftovers is actually a sign of unimaginable abundance and generosity. 
when you're able to have leftovers, the Lord showed me this, you, you got to think of leftovers this way. You have to look at it as you had enough to buy enough to cook enough that will feed you over and over and over again. It's almost, it's almost as if the meal was pressed down, shaken together, running over or left over and over and over again. So guess what? When we look at leftovers, watch this. Look what 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 8 says about leftovers in the New Living Translation. Here's what Paul says about leftovers. He didn't even, he didn't even know about the, the, the barbecue briskets and all that. I want to say I put it in there, Shader. Yeah. There we go. Says this, and God will generously provide all you need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty what? Left over to share. So when you are eating your leftovers, be reminded that God generously provides all that you need. Man, I, I can't believe I got to eat these leftovers. No, no, no. I'm eating these leftovers because it's a sign that God is still providing. I may have bought the meal two days ago, but his faithfulness that it's able, this meal is able to stretch out for two or three more days because he is faithful to me that he will, he will give me something that I can eat and partake of again and again and again and again. Be encouraged. Don't be discouraged. Be encouraged. Be encouraged that he is generously providing us all we need. Then you will always have everything you need and plenty of leftovers to share to others. See those leftovers as a sign of God's faithfulness. Hey, he's still providing. He's still providing. Yeah, I may not be eating Cheesecake, cheesecake Factory today. Or yeah, I may not be eating, eating out at sushi today. But I'm still eating because of the faithfulness of my papa that I'm able to eat over and over. And, man, I promise y'all going to go through your fridge and look at those things different. Like, oh, man, normal, up until today, you see that leftover pizza or that leftover meal. And be like, I don't know if I want to eat it today. I pray when you, Lord, thank you, Jesus, right now, you still provided for me. Thank you, Lord, I'm able to save money today because I'm still eating off your promise of yesterday. Lord, thank you. I'm able to, I don't have to get in the car and drive and fight traffic because I'm still feasting off of your promise two days ago. Lord, thank you that you cared enough for me that you had me to order this one meal because you knew that you can feed me today, tomorrow. Then, I mean, come on, church. His attributes, his character is found in everything. And when we, when we eat those leftovers, we should be reminded that he is faithful to me, that he is continuing to provide for me day in, day out, day in, day out. Amen? Amen. That's an example of looking at something with liturgical lenses. Liturgical lenses is literally just looking at finding something and say, okay, where do I see God in this? Okay, where do I see God in this? What? Uh, moment of chaos. Okay, Lord, I, I know this is chaotic, but Lord, show me. In fact, show me you. Show, show, open, give me spiritual eyes to see where you're at. Where, Lord, where, where, where is your faithfulness in this? Where, show me attributes of your character. Make that your prayer. Show me attributes of your character. Lord, your word says that your, your invisible attributes are, are revealed in the visible world, Lord. So show me where you're at in this situation. Show me where you're at in these particular people. And, Lord, if I can't see you, Lord, then take me somewhere to where I can. Amen? Take me to somewhere where I can. In 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31, I'll close with this. I love this. Paul says in chapter 10, verse 31, he says, whether you eat or drink, live your life 
in a way that glorifies and honors God. Amen. So see, we're not just talking about food for the sake of it because it's fun to talk about or because we're going to do it later. But literally, we're talking about it because Paul says that even in your eating and drinking, you can still glorify God. See, we can glorify God by lifting our hands and singing praises to him. We can glorify God by loving our neighbors and talking to them about the gospel of Jesus Christ and introducing them and connecting them to the Father, Son, and Spirit. But also, somebody say also. You can glorify God by what you eat and what you drink, how you eat it and how you drink it. See, in the natural realm, when you eat a good meal and in every bite, you think, wow. If you're like me, when I was eating that, that fried catfish or when I've ate at Monet's or, you know, Monel's, what, Monet's, Monel's. Yeah, when I've eaten there and some of y'all have eaten there, the first time I ate there, I was like, wow, this is so good. The chef knew what he or she was doing. This was worth the wait because when I was at that food truck, it was a line and I'm just like, I'm hoping this. But when I finally got the meal, I was like, this was worth the wait. This is so good. The chef knew what he was doing. But if we're going to glorify God with our eating and drinking, let's take it up a notch. When you're eating, remind yourself, God. Oh, wow, God, you are so good. You know what you were doing. You are worth the wait. That's how you glorify God in your eating and drinking. As you're eating a meal, you don't just see it as something that you got to do because you're hungry or your belly's uh, screaming or, okay, it's lunchtime, it's 12 o'clock, we got to eat, or it's dinner time, we got to eat. You don't look at it as that. You look at it as, wow, Lord, I'm eating this meal because you're faithful to me. I'm eating this meal because you are a faithful God. I'm drinking this drink because you are a faithful God. I'm eating leftovers. Why? Because you love me so much that you already planned out for me to have meals for multiple days. Lord, Lord, as I'm eating this meal, I know that it was it was prepared and I know it took a while to prepare. And that's just symbolic of how you prepare every detail in my life of how you have taken time and you have carved out time and you are interested in every detail. Lord, your word says that, you know, every hair that's on my head, you are that in love with the details and because just like this meal took time, you are taking time in my life to prepare a path that I will not stumble, a path that I will not fall, a path that I will not fall by the wayside. But you are taking the time. In fact, your word says that you are up in heaven, prepared a place for me, a house for me, a mansion for me, a place where I can lay my head, a place where I can rest my weary soul, a place where I can be surrounded on streets of gold with the presence of God. God, with people that have come before me and after me that are giving praises to you. You are in heaven preparing a place for me. And that is symbolic of this meal that was prepared for me. Oh God, I thank you that I can see you in every aspect of my life. I thank you I can drive down the road and see a tree and be reminded that you are the, you have me planted by still waters. I thank you I can drive down the road and see a deer jump over the road and be reminded that guess what? I long to be like you. I long just as my dear pants for the water, my soul longs for you, Jesus. I think I can drive down the road and see an eagle fly and be reminded that if I if I rest and wait on you, you are renewing me like the eagles. I thank you, the Lord, that when I walk through the grocery store, I may not I may see stuff I can't afford, but also there are aisles upon aisles upon aisles that stuff I can't afford because you have provided it for me. I thank you, Jesus, that in everything I do. 
everything I experience, every person I talk to, there is a glimmer of you. There is a glimmer of your presence. There is a glimmer of your face to remind me to keep my head up, to remind me to not lose the faith, to remind me that I am the head and not the tail, to remind me that you are my lily in the valley, to remind me that you are my bright and morning star, to remind me that you are the rose of Sharon, to remind me that you are my alpha and omega, to remind me that you are the first in the beginning and the last in the end. You remind me that you are my sustainer of life. I thank you, Lord, I can walk in food giant and be reminded that you are my sustainer of life. I thank you, you can remind me as I'm pumping gas. We said it last week, as I'm pumping gas in the vehicle, that you are refueling me and renewing me. I thank you as I go to work, Lord, it's because you have provided me a job that matches my skill set. Lord, I thank you that in every season, every hour, every minute, you are for me. Liturgies, liturgies, it's your tool to remind you that guess what? He's for you. He's not leaving you. He's not forsaking you. Literally, you can do a 360, and there's nowhere that you cannot find something that's going to remind you of how good he is, how faithful he is. We said it last week, but I challenged some of y'all that, guess what, when you go to pump that gas in the vehicle, be reminded that as I'm filling this vehicle, Lord, I thank you that your word says, Psalms 103 verse 5 or verse 15, I can't remember, but we said it last week in Psalms 103 that you are refueling me and you are renewing my strength. Just in those subtle things. You know, when you go to the restaurant today, I, we had planned to go, but, you know, the, the boys were kind of under the weather, so we probably won't go to the restaurant. But as you, if you go to the restaurant and as you're waiting, normally as we're waiting, we're like, Lord, how long is this going to take, Jesus? Don't they know? They don't know me, Lord. They don't know that my, hand, my, my heart's saved, but my hands ain't. They better get this together, Jesus. They don't know. You know, I'm half, half holy, half hood. You know, you know, I'll pray for you, but don't play with me. I mean, they don't know, Jesus. But instead of having that mindset, be like, okay, Lord, as, as they are back there preparing my food, I'm reminded that you are preparing plans for me, that you have plans for me to prosper and be in good health. You have plans that are to bless me. Like mom said earlier, you have plans to, to bless me, not to harm me. And begin to meditate on those things. Let that consume your thoughts. We read it earlier, but let that, let that be the thing that, that flushes out all those impure thoughts. Let that be the truth that flushes out those thoughts. As you're at work tomorrow, oh, Lord, going back to this job. That's the way we used to think, but now we get the opportunity to think, Lord, I thank you. I thank you, Lord, that you kept my job for me while I was away. Well, Lindsay, nah, they, they didn't have any balance. No, we live in a world where there's billions of people that can work. But the Lord has it set up for you to work where you're working. It may not be where you want to be. It won't be where you end up. It won't, be the, it won't be the last hurrah, the last straw. But right now in this season, the plans that God has prepared for you, guess what? You're right here. I was, when I was working the other day with my trainer, they couldn't find a street. They, they couldn't find a street and couldn't find the number. And I said, well, it's, it's right here. It, you're going to go this way and go take a left. And they're like, how do you know that? And I'm like, well, I used, I used to deliver mail over here. And I was like, and then in my head, I'm like, hey, hold up, Lord. What's Jesus? Because I'm in a different city. 
And see, in my old season, I would, I would, I would be like, Lord, why, why, do, why, why do I have to go work in this city, you know, just to provide? Lord, don't you know that it's stressful in this one or, or their load is heavier, but Lord, and I'll be like, Lord, just help me get through it. Lord, just help me get through it. And I didn't realize that the previous season was a setup for this season. So literally in that moment when, I, when I'm helping the people that are supposed to be training me how to get somewhere. And they're like, how do you know it? I'm like, it's my previous season. And in my head, I'm like, Lord, you set me up, Jesus. It was a setup. It was a lob. And I got to dunk it right here in front of my trainer. I didn't realize it, Lord, but in, in the middle of the chaos, in the middle of the stress, when I thought that everything was surrounding me, really, really you was just low and slow cooking. You was prepping. I, I was feeling the heat, but I didn't realize that really the heat was just from you, from the plans that you were creating for me. And here I am on another job where literally everything I do is, is predicated on my former season. Everything that you are currently doing right now, church, is predicated on your former season. Guess what? The season you're in. And once I realized that, Friday, Friday when I realized that, I was like, Lord, I thank you. I thank you. So therefore, Lord, Holy Spirit, don't let me take this current season for granted. But also, Lord, I thank you that this current season is a setup for the next season. Lord, I don't know what the next season looks like spiritually for me, but I thank you it's a setup. Lord, I don't know what the I don't know what it's going to look like physically for me, Lord, but I thank you this season right now is a setup for me to go further in the company. Oh, I started getting I started getting detailed as I was out there in those people's yards moving meters. Lord, I thank you that this current season is a is a setup for another greater season for my children. I thank you this current season is another greater setup for another greater season for my wife and kids. Lord, I thank you this current season is a setup for a greater season for my parents, a greater season for my grandparents, a greater season for my sister, a greater season for our church, a greater season for every person that knows me. Lord, I thank you everyone attached to me will win in the next season. Lord, I thank you even if they've only met me for five seconds, but because of the favor on my life, Lord, it is creating and opening doors for them. I started getting detailed. I started going and listening to every person that shows up here on a Sunday. I started saying, Lord, I thank you that this season, it is a current, this current season is a setup for a greater season for Miranda. Lord, I thank you this current season is a setup for a greater season for the Shadron, a greater season for DJ Noah. I was getting detailed with it and I didn't care because I was like, Lord, once I realized that my current season was a setup for something greater, I started saying, Lord, who else can come with me? Lord, who else can I bring in the door with me? Lord, let them all come. Let them all come, Jesus. Let them all come. I, people were looking at me crazy. But I didn't care because I realized there was something in my ordinary life that was showing me God. So guess what, church? Guess what? Your current season, it is a setup for something greater. So take advantage of the season and allow him to low and slow cook you. Low and slow cook you. Doesn't mean that we sit on our hands and we don't say anything. No, it means that when frustrations come. No, 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 nope. Uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I understand those frustrations, but Lord, I thank you right now. It's just because I can't see what you're doing. And, uh, those frustrations, the, there's no truth in them. The, the fears, there's no truth in them, Lord. It's just false evidence appearing real. Lord, no, I, I just can't see what you're doing, so I'm, I'm just going to trust you. Lord, help me lean into you more. Help me to lean into the everlasting arms. Help me to trust you. Help me to put my hands in the hand of the one that can walk on. Lord, let me trust you even when I can't trust you. And as you're doing that, you're going to be reminded, okay, you know, 
Okay, Lord, you're just you're slow and slow cooking. All right, Lord. Lord, you know I like that microwave stuff, but you know what? That low and slow, it tastes so much better. That low and slow, it tastes so much better. And, Lord, I thank you that, Lord, what you're cooking, there's going to be leftovers. And it's going to continue to feed me and my family over and over. It's going to continue to feed anybody that's attached to me over and over and over. Be reminded, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. Be reminded in 1 Corinthians 10, 31. Be reminded in Corinthians or in, in Colossians 3, verse 8 and 10, that you can see him in everything. I encourage you, when you read a scripture, when you read a scripture, when you read a scripture in the morning starting this week, after you read it, say, okay, Lord, show me this scripture in my ordinary life. Whether it's open up a jar, whether it's open up a door, whether it's, you don't know what it is. Just, Lord, show me this scripture. Make your word come alive. Because guess what? Jesus said that it's not, it's not bread, it's not by physical bread and water that we live and survive, but it's by every word that comes out of the mouth of God. And guess what? If you are asking him to make that word come alive, you're saying, Lord, sustain me. You're saying, Lord, sustain me. Lord, sustain me. Lord, thank you, Jesus.